Okay, y'all. So there were some thoughts that were had after recording our initial episode, and we're just going to share them here in this bonus episode. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be loose. There's no intro. There's no patron thinking. And uh, it's some important reflection. So enjoy. I am just thinking about how we kind of talked a little bit about some of our body image struggles during COVID times. And we talked about how to answer this question for kids about stretch marks, but we didn't really talk about um, how to talk about body image with with kids and the importance of adults not um, putting our body image struggles onto kids or even necessarily letting them see how hard it is on us. And I just thought we could talk a little bit about like – how to talk about bodies with kids in general and like fatness. Yeah, I read an article recently uh, on a blog called Fluffy Kitten Party (laughs) called A Guide to Parenting Fat Kids. Um, And it had some really wonderful suggestions that I think really apply to parenting any kids. Um, And I was just thinking about how rarely I've seen adults do these things and how often I've seen the opposite. So things like um, letting them try different activities and letting them walk away from activities they don't enjoy without guilt or shame. So like letting movement just like not be about exercise. And I know I felt a lot of pressure as a young person to be like, you need to move, like get outside, like don't sit on your butt watching TV. And that made it so not fun or appealing to like ever move my body because it just felt like there was so much like moral weight on it. Yeah, I mean, a lot about teaching kids to trust their bodies and their hunger cues and not moralizing food like we know. Um, but also, yeah, that important that important piece of um, not necessarily modeling all of that, the ways that we've learned to talk badly about our own bodies, like not being like, oh, I feel bad today, or like, look how big my belly is, or even just like them seeing you like checking yourself in the mirror or weighing yourself or just like teaching that really negative relationship with a body and like it's always okay to be honest and be like I don't always feel great about my body right a lot of people have told me my body isn't good people have made me feel bad about it I know that they're wrong and it's not true and all bodies are good but sometimes I still feel a little bit down but it's important to remember that all bodies are good you know and something in the article that really struck me was don't try to protect your child from bullying by assuming the role of the bully um So, so many adults are like, well, like I was a fat kid and I don't want my kid to go through what I went through. So I'm going to try to stop them from being a fat kid, right? I'm going to try to get them to lose weight. But then really you're the one who's then targeting and harming your kid. And it's so much more painful to get bullied by your own parents who are meant to like be your protectors than like some random kid at school, you know? So I was thinking about all of that. There was a lot of that that went on in my family without my parents really being aware, I think. And the older I got... And the more aware of it I became and my ability to sort of articulate what was happening and to, like pinpoint what was happening when it was happening and remove myself from it or analyze it um, enabled me to have conversations with my mom about the language she was using and the ways in which it impacted me and my brother. And there's a lot of defensiveness mm-hmm. that comes from parents who think that they're doing good. Mm-hmm. They're you know, they're just looking out for you. They just want the best for you. And I think it, mm-hmm. obviously, societally, a thin body that people think is good. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, it's so important. I think that my mom didn't even really know or understand her role in it. And when I would say that I was down about my body, there was a lot Mm. of um, sort of sympathy. Like, like I can Mm. kind of tell why you're upset. It's because you're curvier, you're bigger, you're, you know, you weigh more than your friends, whatever. I, I guess I felt like I was Mm -hmm. often responding to things that she was saying or like like, uh, attitudes in our household. And there was never, there was never the self-realization from my parents of like, oh, I have a, I have a role in this. It was always like, oh, it must just be school things. It must just be aging. It must just be puberty growing up. Like Mm. every kid is upset with their body, but it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, it doesn't. And it's so true that like, I don't know, it's it's like we get our bodies from our parents, most of us who are raised by our biological parents. Um, and so to hear them say bad things, even just about themselves, like, I know my parents also would say things about my body, but just hearing them say things about their bodies and being like, my body looks like your body in these ways. So like, I'm learning to talk about myself in the way you talk about yourself. And like, Um, it just makes me think about how important it is for any adults, including teachers, because I've heard teachers do it too, talk about their own bodies in front of kids, um, talk about their food restrictions or their diets in front of kids, including preschoolers. Um, so it just makes me really think about like, who do we need to be talking Talking to 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 process these feelings so that we're not (laughs) showing them to children? Yeah. Like if you feel bad, like that's fine. Get a therapist, talk to your friend, like get it out. And then like, get it together when you're in front of the children so that we're not teaching them to relate to themselves this way. It's interesting. It seems like one of the only um, remaining sort of complexes or it's not an adult thing. And I'm hesitant to say that it's, it's an adult thing because it's so not, we're talking about how it's not, but it's one of maybe the more mature feelings and situations and constant experiences Mm. that we don't, hide our kids from like we don't talk we are so afraid Mm -hmm. to talk about sex or violence or homelessness or racism Mm -hmm. but body hate is flagrant like it we for some reason think of it as less harmful or it's just more normalized and everyone has these issues and they're not seen as uh potentially harmful to talk about yeah i think i think i'm not sure really why so much pain about it they're not thinking clearly. Like, I think people are really confused and they, like, don't even know. I think people do not know how much they talk bad about their own bodies. Like, I think I think people don't know they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mentioned this to you recently, actually, but not on the podcast. But I was recently reading um, over some, like, journal entries that I wrote when I was 17. And I was on a trip. Uh, and I was like writing a travel journal like with other teens and I wrote in the journal that all the other teens on the trip and the staff sat me down to be like stop talking badly about your body <laughs> like you have to stop um, like we're worried about you you need to do some like self-love practices or something and reading that now it was just like yeah I like was constantly talking out loud <laughs> about how bad I felt about my body because that felt like some sort of self-protection of like if I say it first other people can't laugh at me or something and so I did that all the time and I'm sure I had no idea how much I was like I was surprised that they were like 
that they said that to me, you know, and, um, it was interesting reading it back because I obviously don't talk like that about myself anymore, but I think it's just this really learned habit that we see older people, especially older women doing, and then we learn to do it. And I'm sure like my mom partly learned it from her mom and like, who knows how far back it goes, like probably pretty far. Yeah. It needs to be in the conversation of, you know, be careful what you put into the world. Be careful what, like, the language you use around your kids. Like, swearing is so far from the worst thing that your children are going to absorb. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Please swear if it helps you stop saying bad yeah. things about your own body. <laughs> like, trade those I out. I think even, right, indi- indirect things that for- shape the relationships we have to food and other people's bodies and clothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of pain yeah. for me in those memories. And I just, like, am so different when I'm around children. Like, and it, and it honestly, like, I know in some ways, like, it might seem like lying, right? Like, pretending things are sunnier than they are. But I really don't think it's like that. Like, I really, I feel better about my body when I'm modeling talking Definitely. about my body to kids, you know? Like, my relationships with kids have healed my relationship with my body. Because I would never want them to feel how I feel or felt. So when I'm with kids and, like, they talk about my big belly, I get to be like, yeah, how soft is my big belly, right? Like, don't you just want to, like, lay on it? Isn't it just, like, a pillow? Like, when they're, like, um, yeah, when they talk about my, like, I grew my leg hair out when I was working with preschoolers because, like, they just loved my leg hair. They were like, this is fluffy. Why would you ever cut this off? And, like, um, just constantly talking with all of them about like, yeah, bodies are magic. Like every time they like get a cut and like they're crying and they want a bandaid, I'm like, do you know, like your body doesn't even need a bandaid to heal? Like your body heals itself. And they're like, wow. I'm like, yeah, wow. Right. Like bodies are very cool and good. And people might tell you there's something wrong with yours. People have certainly told me there's something wrong with mine, but we know better. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, God, I could talk for hours about my complexes. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to. Oh, me too. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. I think. I think people probably have their own, their own memories they can draw from. Generally speaking, but. Um. Yeah. That important piece. Is I think like that parents that are. Cycle. They need some help as far as language, especially in the discussion about food. Like, if if mm-hmm. I could give a specific example, I know that a lot of parents who I've babysat for have said that their kids can't have certain foods. Like, they're like, these are their snacks mm-hmm. for, like, the weekend, or they can only have so many cookies in a day, or whatever. And I think that as sort of, like, an explanation mechanism, people go to, you know, you can't have so many of this because it'll make you unhealthy, it'll make you... Maybe the, maybe they won't say it'll make you fat, but there's a... But some parents some do, parents and do. there's definitely language that is mm-hmm. hyper-negative when trying to explain why you can't have certain mm-hmm. things or why you're not allowed to in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think just, like, adjusting your language or giving parents the tools to adjust their language to be like, I just want you to eat all of the kinds of things... And if we eat one kind of thing, then yeah. our bodies aren't going to function as good as they might be able to if, like, you're eating all of the things. And, like, you can definitely eat all the right. things. But we like to eat all the things in one yeah. day. <laughs> and not just 
one yeah, thing the whole I day. Mean, right. That's so much better than, I mean, because I've heard good and bad foods then become healthy and unhealthy foods. And then some parents will use like growing food to replace like healthy food. But even that is mm. still like there's growing food and there's junk food, right? As opposed to what you said, which is just like we want all of the kinds of things that they each do. Like how cool would it be to be like, um, these foods give you this vitamin, these foods give you this. And when we're on like ice cream or whatever, like this food has sugar in it, which gives you quick energy. And then you also need something else to give you long energy, right? Like that has protein and fat, although ice cream does have (laughs) some protein and fat. So I always say that ice cream has all the food groups in it. Um, but yeah, I think it's great to, and it's great to let kids make like what you would consider a mistake with food, right? Like how I, I just think like, why is it necessary to never let a kid have a sugar crash, right? Like if they have that experience once, if we let them eat as many cookies as they want and then they feel really tired and cranky afterwards, we could be like next time when they're like, I want 10 cookies, be like, remember that last time you had 10 cookies? How did you feel? Maybe I'll help you make a decision that feels a little bit better, right? Like let people experiment and learn instead of it being so controlled and about other people's rules that we just will have to experiment later right like it's not like any of us we're like yeah I don't know like you know when I went to camp and got fruit loops for the first time it's like all I (laughs) ate for weeks like because I was never allowed to try that and like see how it felt so I just think we can trust kids a lot more than yeah in the same way everyone's now shifting towards letting your kid choose their outfit for the day or, like, plan their mm-hmm. day for themselves. Like, do you want to go to the park now or later? Do you want to read a book or do you want to watch TV, et cetera, et cetera? Ellen Sater, or Ellen Satter, uh, writes about kids and food. And I think what she says is it's the adult's job to provide the food, like to say what's for dinner um, and to say when it's time for dinner. And then it's the kid's job to decide what which things on their plate to eat and how much. And, like, that's the division of responsibility. And I think that's cool. It's just like, yeah, obviously, if I'm the one cooking, I get to make decisions about, like, what I'm cooking today to some extent. And then I'm never going to be like, oh, two more bites. Like, like if you eat this, then you get this. Like, I'm just going to say this is the food in front of you. You get to decide. And if you're hungry later because you didn't eat enough, that's a learning experience, right? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I could. We could have a whole other conversation about that. Yeah, we probably should yeah. have a food episode. Or a few. <laughs> yeah um yeah is there anything else that you didn't touch on i don't think so i think that's what i uh wanted to to add so i'm gonna stop my recording cool that was important i'm glad we did that